Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. All right. Okay, good. This mic's working. Give it up for Susie and Lily. Yes. We have some very wonderful people in here. If you are new, I just want to give you a huge shout out. It's great to have you with us. Jared's parents are here, so they're here. That's great. Um, Some Texas students are in the house. Yes. And happy 35 years to Paul and, oh, 30 years. Well, give it up for Paul and Corey. Paul and Corey, happy anniversary. We love marriage here, so it's, uh, it's great to celebrate. And if I forgot you, um, you're, we're glad you're here too. So, <laughs> um, Anyways, we are kicking off a new series. It's all about Galatians, and I'm excited about this. Our speaking team and our elders came together, and this is really important to this house. Um, as a matter of fact, when I was praying about moving here and taking on a staff position, this is the verse that God really gave me. I want to sh- quickly share it. It's First uh, Colossians 125, and it says this, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. And I thought about, like, I really want to serve the church. I want to serve the community. I want to serve the needs and see God move in the city. And I also want to be responsible in sharing the entire message with this body. So sometimes we, you know, we'll talk on topics or different things, and I love being able to do that. You can kind of pick and choose different verses. But when you're going through the Bible, you kind of hit all the good, bad, and ugly. And so we believe that this is uh, kind of what God's leading us to. So we're going to go through Galatians and some of Paul's letters. Uh, it'll take us through the summer. And um, if you want to read ahead for next week, we'll be in Galatians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can grab them. The verses will be up here on the screen as well. So here we go. Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your, uh, the, the Bible and just how it's, it's present and relevant today as it was when it was written. God, would you speak to us? Would you bring correction? Would you bring comfort? Would you bring um, just a word to your people? We are here to receive, and we pray that there would be bread in this house today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so just a little history about this book. Here's a map of the church areas that Paul was writing to in Galatia. Um, It is considered today present-day Turkey. The the current country right there would be present-day Turkey. And Paul wrote, wrote this missionary or this letter to the churches on a missionary trip, and he was traveling through, and this was his third missionary trip to this area. So Uh, Bible scholars believe it was written between 55 and 57 um, A.D., somewhere around that area. So Paul had been through that area a lot. He had met a lot of people, and he knew them. And here's the thing. It was a a big change because before Christ, the Jewish people really leaned on and um, practiced severely the, the law of the Torah. And the Torah was the five books, the five first books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In those books contain a lot of do's and don'ts. And so they really leaned heavy into that. So Paul's message was completely out of their scope. To just have Christ alone dying for their sin, to forgive sin, it was a really, really big message. Not only was it for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles. 
So you'll see that book, uh, you'll see that word in the Bible, Gentiles. What that means is any other ethnicity other than the Jewish people. So you have the Jews and then you have the Gentiles, everybody else. So Paul was saying not only is salvation for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. And that was a big, big message for the, for the Jewish people to swallow. And so at this point, when Paul writes this book, he has been there a long time, and a lot of people have received this message. So you have about half of the people are converted Jews that believe in the Messiah, Jesus, and then you have Gentiles who also accepted this message. So in the churches, there was about a 50-50 mix. So the problem was is that other Jews were coming to this area and being like, hey, uh, we can, you know, accept the Gentiles, but if they really want to be in the family of God, they also have to practice the Torah. They also have to practice being circumcised, the Sabbath, all these other different rules and regulations that were given in the Old Testament. And so Paul hears about this, and he's saying, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not okay. I'm preaching Christ alone. I'm preaching that his sacrifice was big enough to cover all the sins. So by the Jews bringing on Christ plus something else, we see in this letter that it's one of Paul's most probably passionate letters that he writes to the church. So let's go ahead and dive in, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll get right to this here. So Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, I'm, living from the, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So you can see the love for the people. Like, before I start out anything, grace and peace to you. And then he restates the good news, or the gospel. He says, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God the Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world. Say evil world. Evil world. In which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Then he changes his tone and he dives right into the heart of the letter. In verse 6 he says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends, say pretends, pretends, pretends to be the good news, but is not good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. You see, it was the Jews that were twisting the truth, saying, you know what, in order for you to earn this grace, you also have to look like us. In order for you to earn this grace or really be in God's family, you have to X, Y, Z. You had to do all this extra stuff. And so Paul was very upset about that. And he says, let God's curse fall on anyone, verse 8, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news other than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, that person be cursed. So he was being very, very strong, saying it's not okay to change this message. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. 
So it was kind of a tricky spot for the Gentiles because they did want to receive the Messiah. They did want to receive this good message of hope through Christ on the cross. But they were also getting sucked into being, <laughs> to pleasing the Jews who were also saying, well, you, you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to do these things. So they were kind of trying to please God and please the Jews and all this other stuff. I mean, this is the very beginning of the church. And so traditions for the Jewish people, they weren't bad or they weren't wrong. They just weren't required for salvation. And so the question is, is was the Old Testament law, why did God give it to us? Was that necessarily bad? Well, the answer is no. Um, it wasn't bad. Um, but why did God give it to the people? That's a good question. And there's a couple answers to that. But number one, it was to show us our need for a Savior. Because when you even look at the Ten Commandments, you see that the Ten Commandments are impossible to follow. What's worse is if we, if we break one command, we break all the commands. So that would be like... <laughs> You're in California, and you're like, okay, go ahead and swim to Hawaii. Like, impossible. That's not going to work. So the law established that we couldn't live up to God's holiness by our own self-righteousness, by our own works. So that was really, really important. We needed, God needed to establish his perfect ways, his holiness, and say, there's no way that you can get there. I'm going to send you a Savior. I'm going to send you a Messiah that will help you with that. The second reason God gave us the law is it set apart the Jewish people from all the other nations. God wanted the Jewish people to look different. He wanted them not to have a king, but he wanted to be their God. And so in that, when they took out Sabbath day, it was a, it was a way that they could set, set, them, set them apart from other different um, religions. Yet when Christ came, he changed all of that. And Christ didn't come to, to erase the law, but look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17. He came to fulfill it. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In Romans 10, 4, he says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. See, Christ didn't come to do away with the law, but he embodied the law. He fully accomplished all that was written. And the Jews were used to following the law, so it took, they took it really serious. It was a part of their identity. So for them to, to come around this new concept was completely against everything that they had known. And that's why Paul, going back to verse 10, he says, I am not trying to win the approval of people or of Jews, or of Rome, but I'm trying to please God. And in pleasing God, if that's my goal, I can't be Christ's servants. I want to be Christ's servant, and I want to please God. So that beckons the question, how do we do that? How do we please God? Probably have a lot of different answers popping up. Um, there's a lot that God shows and tells us in his word. But I like how Romans 12, 2 writes it. It says this. It says, um, don't copy the, the behavior and the customs of this world. Remember how um, in uh, verse 4, 
um, Paul says, hey, I, God's desire is for, for God to rescue you out of this evil world. He says, don't copy, don't think like the world does because it's God's desire to rescue yourself from that mindset. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, it's hard to please people, isn't it? Like, it, it's so exhausting. It takes so much effort. And then once everybody's happy to maintain their happiness and their approval, gosh, it's near impossible. So, so Paul is saying, hey, the one I want to please is God. And so in this verse, you can put that back up there again. The question is, is who transforms us? It's God who transforms us. Not a doctrine or not a denomination, right? It's God who transforms us. And how does he transform us? He changes our mindset. He, he renews our mind. And so it's so important for us to spend time with God. It's so important for us to read his word, to allow his thoughts to trump our thoughts. So we, we put ourselves in circles of influences where God can begin to renew our mind. So that's why it's important to go to church. That's why it's important to get connected in a small group. It's important to, to embrace and to read and to spend time with God. I, um, I joke with my kids all the time. I'm like, guys... This is one of dad's most important lessons, like top three lessons. And you're like, what are dad's top three lessons? <laughs> well, one on the list is choose good friends. I mean, I hammer it down. Choose good friends. Because the friends that you make in junior high and high school and college will really begin to shape your life. The people you hang out with, you'll start to dress like them. You'll start to listen to the music they listen to. You like the same things. You start to talk like them. Like, choosing good influences is so, so important. And that's why God says, hey, look, I've got a great plan for your life. I want to spend time with you. I love you, and I want to transform you. And then you will know how good and pleasing and perfect my will is for your life. Um, Galatians continues on. Actually, this will be a little sneak peek. Uh, this is in chapter 2, but I like how it, how, how it phrases it in verse 16. It says, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So Galatian rolls out this doctrine, uh, doctrine of justification, which means that it's just in Christ alone. It's just in Christ alone. And it's a free gift. It's hard to think about. And as Christians, maybe you're like, this is a great message. I believe this. But this is really our doctorate. This is really where it starts. Because it's not fair. It seems like it's too easy. And, and I think about it in this illustration. I'll just give you this picture. Imagine somebody who loses their business. They're just in mountains of debt. They have student loans and cars and all this stuff. And they're just like, there's no way I'm going to be able to pay off my tax liability. There's no way. It would take me three lifetimes to pay off all this. And then somebody says, you know what? I heard about your story. I'm wealthy. I'm rich. I'll go ahead and pay off everything. 
I'll pay off your student loans, your tax debt, your house, your car. You will be completely free of debt. And you're going to be like, uh, no. Hang up. <laughs> if it's too good to be true, it's probably not real, right? Don't believe those things. But that's what Jesus did for us. And so that's why it, it takes faith to please God. Like, if, if somebody were to call me up and say, hey, I'll pay off the debt, I would do some research, but then I'll be like, yes, thank you. Here's my name. Here's my Social Security. Here's my creditors. Here's a whole list. I have an Excel sheet. Here's how much I owe. Here's their address to send the payment to. Thank you. Like, that would be the response. But there's some people today that's like, I can't, I can't take that because I've done so many bad things. I can't believe in that message. It's too good to be true. But that is the foundation of our faith. That is what sets, up, sets apart Christianity from other different religions is because Jesus paid it all. And so the, um, it, it's like we're, we go scot-free. I was planning this message, and I'm like, what is scot-free? What does that even mean? So I did the research. You're welcome. Here it is. The expression scot-free actually originates from the Scandinavian word scat, which means tax or payment. The word mutilated uh, got changed into scot as a name of redistribution taxation meant to provide relief to the poor during the 10th century. So it's actually scat-free, but they turned it into scot-free. So there you go. You're welcome. Not having to do a whole lot with my message, but I've, I've captured your attention, right? There you go. So the second uh, big reason um, that we please God is really through our faith. And, and that's, um, that's very, very important to, um, to get uh, ourselves in that position. So um, I, I have another thought. Um, if God has given us so much to pay off our debt, the debt of sin, um, and this might be hitting a little close to home, but do you give yourself that grace? If God's paid the price for your sin and your shame, I wonder if there's people here who is like, you know what, I appreciate what God's done on the cross, and I fully receive that, but there's a little part of me that feels guilty, that feels shameful for the people I've hurt, for not being a good parent, for the divorce I went through or for the people I lied to, my family that I hurt to, and they're, they're gone and I can never make up for it. And so you carry this darkness a little bit inside of you. Well, imagine how Jesus thinks about that. Because he died to set you and me free. He wanted to give us a life, an abundant life. And so I wonder if there's people that say, you know what, it's good. It's like I'm twisting the truth because, you know what, for me to, to still feel shame validates this person's hurt. It might sound good, but it's twisting the truth. It's twisting the gospel. So you might need to say, you know what, I need to forgive myself. I mean, sometimes I'll pray to God and I'll be like, man, God, you've, you've delivered me so much from things and I am so sorry for the things I used to do. And I wonder if God's like, you know what, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Have you ever thought that? I mean, if we really believe what God says, he says, I remove your sin as far as the east is from the, the west. I wonder if he's like, you know what, I've chosen not to f remember that sin. 
But in our minds, we rehearse it over and over again. But God's saying, hey, forget about the past. Move forward. This is good news. And sin does have consequences that we have to face. If we break the law, yeah, we're going to have to pay a fine or a penalty or serve jail time. But when you are out of jail, those prisoners, I never see them walking around with jail clothes anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not in their orange suit, you know, like, hey, check it out. But, but I've seen Christians who won't let themselves off the hook for the things that they've done. And I think God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're degrading the price that I paid for you. You know, it sounds good, but it twists the truth. It's a false gospel. So what does it look like to give yourself grace? Maybe you need to pray about that. Um, the cross was enough. And I'll kind of close with this picture. Um, this is a, a cool story. Actually, my, my biological mom, she had a very famous cousin who was a, a painter named Vivian. And Vivian painted this picture, and she gave it to my mom's aunt, and her name was Goldie. Goldie was also a very famous artist. And so there was two famous artists in her side. And so Vivian said, hey, Goldie, I want to give you this picture. And it, it, it's fun because I spent a lot of time with Goldie. She lived in Tucson, and um, she's no longer with us today. But she was kind of spicy. <laughs> she was a little sassy. And so Goldie sees this picture, and she's like, you know what, this is a painting that I can make better. <laughs> and so she just whipped out her paints, and she's like, I'm going to highlight the flowers. I'm going to darken the background so they'll pop better. And she just went right to work, and she modified Vivian's painting. Now, when Vivian heard about this, <laughs> she was not so happy. And Goldie proudly displayed how she had improved this painting, this gift. And Vivian says, you know what you need to do? Just take my name off that painting, and you put your own name on that painting, because that's your painting. That's not the, what I did. And so, gladly, Goldie obliged. <laughs> so there you have Goldie Ruark, and that's the painting. It's a big, actually, canvas. But I thought about that painting when it comes to this passage. Is there a way that we take the good news and we begin to add to it and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what you believe. If you're good, go to heaven. Or you, you change the gospel. It was a gift. But you say, you know what? I can do this. Or we can twist the truth. You still really need to go to church. You still really need to give 10% because if you don't, your salvation, it's, it could be modified a little bit. If you change God's gift, you have to erase the name. <laughs> and is there salvation in Sean Lind? No. <laughs> is there salvation in this movement or this denomination? No, it's salvation in Christ alone. And that's what Paul says is glorious, marvelous grace. He, he goes in, in chapter uh, 1, 15, it says, Even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. That's what Jesus is. It's marvelous. So we need to be very careful that we don't modify his gift. We don't twist the truth. Even though it might sound good or seem good in our own thoughts, we need to accept it. Give ourselves grace. 
give others grace. So what's God speaking to you in this message? Maybe, maybe there's people that you need to give grace to. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you're like, you know what, Sean? I believe God's good, but I really haven't spent time with him or haven't made that a priority. It's one of the best things that you can do. It's one of the best things that you can do. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I'm such a people pleaser, and I can't say no, and they want this, and they want this, and God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to help everybody. I'm big enough to do it all. As far as I know, all the dolphins are being fed today. <laughs> all the birds are still, they're not starving. And, and it's not by my help. Like, God is way smarter than all of us. The gift and the picture that he paints, we don't need to pull out our art set. <laughs> but it is a good segue for art night, paint night, Friday. So... Don't be painting on your neighbor's campus, okay? <laughs> oh, goodness. Let's pray, shall we? <laughs> um, God, I just want to say thank you for your marvelous grace in our lives. Um, God, it might not seem fair. It might seem too good to be true, but we just say yes. We acknowledge that your, your gifts are good. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for us. God, I pray that you would just help work in our lives to help us not be people pleasers. Help us to spend time with you more. Um, help us to renew our minds so that we would understand what we're to do and how good and pleasing your will is for us. And may we never be people that cause guilt and shame for people that are on their journey doing Jesus, but making ourselves feel better and shaming them, Lord. We thank you for the grace that you're giving us. God, be in this community, would you? Would you be with all the churches, all this, our, all this valley, Lord? Be with those people in Ukraine, around the world, missionaries, God. Would you illuminate the joy of salvation in the cross around the globe, God? Move in our lives. Give us compassion. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. We're going to go ahead and sing another song, but we have a great, amazing prayer team that will be over here. If you need prayer for anything, um, this is your chance to respond. So even as we're singing, let God speak to you and be open to listen.